This, this, this is a Tape Deck Podcast. Hey everybody, it's H, and welcome to the latest installment of Dune Pod, your one-stop shop to enjoy the new Dune movies. This week, I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Jason. Was the llama f***er involved? I bet the llama f***er was involved in procuring the vultures. And by the founder and CEO of Warhorn and my former DM, Brian Mosley. Do you remember when that happened? That was so funny! Ha ha ha! That was like his entire contribution throughout. We cover the greatest fantasy film of the 20th century, bar none, Conan the Barbarian. If you're enjoying the show, we need your help. Take a minute and leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast, or just tell your friends about us, because it really helps new listeners find the show. We also have a Discord server where you can hang out with us whenever you want. The link is in the show notes. And now, without further ado, Conan. Yeah. Max Petty. Wow. (laughs) Dispatches from the war of Elon's aggression. Let's get into it. No fucking around. (laughs) I I was, I had like, was going through my notes for the show and I put a note that was uh, Max Petty, no update this week because nothing really substantive had happened. And then all week. And all week, it was a pretty slow week. And not just in the, the context of Elon's aggression, but in the broader context of people taking L's. Who's uh-huh. going to take L's? Uh, and then this afternoon, uh, like a gift from heaven, it was revealed. We know we talked about last week that uh, Twitter was going to subpoena all the all-in jokers, like Chamath uh-huh. and David Sachs and Cal Canis, uh, for what they might have known about the deal. But today we got Elon's answer, which is that he's going to subpoena one-time CEO uh, Jack Dorsey to find out. There's a they they say like what what do we want to what do we want you to turn over information or what do we want to ask you about? And questions two through eight are what you knew about the bots and how MAUs are determined and did you lie about stats and all this bullshit that's part of his argument. Uh huh. But question number one. <laughs> Is what did you? What were all of your conversations that you had with Elon about the deal? Elon buying the company, all conversations in advance of the merger agreement, all the conversations you had in advance of Elon agreeing to join the board before he backed out to buy, buy the company. As we've talked about on this podcast, and as I've talked about on Bloomberg, it seems pretty obvious that Jack was pushing for this deal uh-huh. to happen. And the exact nature of how much he was pushing for it is like what's unknown uh, and why is also unknown. But Elon now would like it to be known. Now, the caveat, of course, is that we don't know exactly what we'll find out from the subpoena, how much of it will be privileged or how it comes out or whatever. Sure. But it's it's just delightful. I received so many DMs almost immediately of this news crossing the wire. (laughs) From a lot of like a lot of interesting people who are very excited to very excited to see these findings. So it's just great. Does this also mean that Twitter will be able to do their own discovery on Jack? Well, Twitter's gonna end up representing Jack in this, I'm pretty sure. Because okay. um 
even though he's no longer with the company, he he'll be insured by the company as a director. And so it'll be, okay. th it'll be their interest that's at stake. If okay. he, if he colluded to sell the company in violation of securities frauds. So, you know, let's stay tuned. Let's find out. Let's see what happens <laughs> next. Uh, you know, could be great. Brian, when is the last time you were subpoenaed? Uh, about 10 minutes before never. Yeah. <laughs> it hasn't happened no. yet. Now I've, I've definitely lived with the fear of, um, something, something really dumb. I said, um, in mm. Slack eight years ago being pulled out and used against me and mm -hmm. our lawyers don't like to let us forget that possibility, but it's never actually happened. Nice. I know Slim was saying, uh, I forget which of the many podcasts he was on that he deletes all of his tweets. Like every three months, he deletes everything older than three months. Um, and I've never gone back and done that. I know the DNC, when I became a, a, fine, a national finance director, they did go through and ask me to make two adjustments on two, you know, delete two tweets, which I did. So I feel like I'm really pretty much, pretty much in the clear. I didn't get any edits when I was asked to join the White House. Really? They told me they told me they went they told me they went through my tweets. But at this time, they didn't know the White House didn't know White House counsel didn't know that you could just request someone's archive uh, uh -huh. of all their tweets. Uh, and so instead I was like, oh, like I, cause I told them, I was like, oh, do you want me to send you their, my archive? And they're like, what are, how do you do that? And I was like, oh, you could just download an archive. Like, oh man, we've been using the stapler method. And I was like, <laughs> what's the, what's the stapler method? Well, the stapler method is when we load up your profile page and then we take a heavy stapler and we put it on the space bar so that we can just continually scroll down and review all the tweets <laughs> that way. Whoa. I was like, oh. I don't know if you're going to find the good ones. I've got like 17,000 tweets, uh, but best of luck. Um, anyway, it's just great. More people should be subpoenaed by the individual that they point to as, you know, the singular solution to extend the light of consciousness. That's that's just the best turn of events. I'm Absolutely. excited about it. Yeah, I was thrilled just to see your excitement uh, in the moment this afternoon. It was just a beautiful, a beautiful thing. So yeah. And Brian, what a what a wonderful day to have you joining us uh, for part of this. You know, this is a day about a film about getting out and getting you know extinguishing uh, the the overreaches of messianic figures mm. uh, and establishing justice. And so you are back for your third Dune Pod appearance after Excalibur and Cloud Atlas. Mm. Yeah, I'm not working hard enough. I still got a long way to go to get the coat, the smoking jacket. It's around the corner, buddy. It's could coming. Be, yep. You'll be could, there. Could be this year. You know, you never, you <laughs> never know. So, so you and I have a long history. First of all, you are the founder and CEO of Warhorn, um, which is an organized play platform that is used for people to organize to play D&D &D and Pathfinder and lots of other games. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. And uh, I big announcement uh, right here on Dune Pod. Um, I'm taking Warhorn open source, so there will be no more CEO, uh, and no no more title stuff. Oh, so taking it to the people. Yeah, that's wow. right. Opening up the code and exciting. Going the opposite direction. Incredible. Yeah. That's awesome. When when does that happen? Uh, there's some security stuff that I want to take care of in the in the code base and make sure that uh, you know people's user accounts don't get hacked. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, once that's done, it's gonna go open. So hopefully in another month or two. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And then you'll have resources of the community to help build features and that kind of stuff. Yep. Very. Yep, that was cool. the goal. And uh, you know, I've been doing it for 20 years. And at a certain point, like when a, pa a global pandemic hits, you're like, "What happens if I get really sick and can't do this? Uh -huh. Maybe somebody else should be able to take over." Right. Uh, so we're working on the whole existential risk thing. Hmm. Nice. 
That's amazing. That's amazing. Brian, I think I think we told the story previously back around 2001, 2002. You were our DM for our third edition D&D game. And then we also did a lot of traveling all around the country. Uh, you were traveling around the world playing D&D as part of Living Campaigns. Um, and it's just been amazing what you've created for the community and enabled so many people to do that uh, for free. Um, and for people to help out uh, as they wanted to. So just an awesome thing, and I'm, I'm glad you were doing it. Coincidentally, I was uh, super motivated to start looking for bots in my user database uh-huh. uh, because of uh, recent events. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that's, been, that's been fun, uh, uh, cataloging the signals that tell one uh, that a user is really a bot. So thank you to uh, the ongoing segment for inspiring me to, uh, to do that and keep my user base a little safer. We just take 100, right, and then you just look at them? And then that'll tell you. That's how it works. (laughs) Well, we're super stoked uh, to have you on here. And uh, and we're going to get into it uh, in just a minute here with Conan the Barbarian. This is Arnold's movie that put him on the road uh, to the biggest star in the world, uh, for sure. Um, and this is a, a very important movie that we've waited a long time to get going here um, on Dune Pod. So very excited for that. Before we do that, let's just say next week, Jason, you described you've never felt so much pressure for a film that we're getting ready to do. I'm scared, um, I'm terrified of what's, <laughs> what's on the horizon. So recently, Sohela Yakub was cast as one of the Fremen in Dune Part 2. Yeah. And I had never heard of Suela, uh, but I wanted to see what her story was, and I saw that she had a, a major breakout role in the drug and dancing-fueled wild ride called Climax. Yeah. It's always concerning to me when like a movie, a foreign film, an art house film comes with like a lot of throat clearing like in terms of what you need to be prepared for going into it. It was like, okay, here's what your little American brain needs to be, needs to be ready to, to receive in this fucking mess that you're about to get into. Um, so I'm and this scared. Is Gasper, this is Gasper Noe. Yeah. Yeah. Our Which man I, Gasper. I've never seen whatever the movie that he did with Monica Bellucci that's supposed to be the most upsetting thing in the history of film or whatever. I, I don't know. I'm- this is my first Noe as well. Wow. We've re- it's funny because like I think among tape deck pods, we're kind of considered like the <laughs> snooty one. Like, you know, we're really? not like, you know, we're not like salt of the earth like those other tape deck pods. But like I see, this, I is, see. this is uh, this is putting us out there. This is really putting us to the test. This pinkies, is some pinkies so, yeah. up. I think the pinky's up and then just get lopped off. (laughs) Well, we're going to see. That is next week. So stay tuned uh, for Climax. Very excited. How about if we get into some Dune news? Would you like to know more? Dune news. There is absolutely no fucking real Dune news at all whatsoever. However... Uh, studio talk. Uh, we talked last week with our dear friend Peter Kafka about HBO and how you know Warner Brothers and uh, Discovery were doing and the prospects for Dune Sisterhood. After last night, Sisterhood's prospects are fortified. fortified. 10 million viewers for House of the Dragon, the largest premiere in HBO history. 
I mean, you're reading in the fact that the House of the Dragon, the follow up to the most successful TV show in contemporary history, bodes well for our show, which has yeah. no connection to it. Except They're for both, the same, same studio. studio, same studio. Okay, I'll you take it, it. I guess. <laughs> I, I, sounds good. <laughs> I'm sure 10 million people will turn in, tune in for the first episode of uh, Sisterhood. Sisterhood as well. Yeah. Golly, that'd be incredible, wouldn't it? My Bene Gesserit brings all the boys to the yard. <laughs> Doesn't quite scan. <laughs> Brian, what did you think of House of the Dragon? So you, you and I were, you know, I think at some point I probably bought the, you know, D20 Game of Thrones Song of Ice and Fire RPG with the intention of us playing it. Uh, and I think you were at the same time, like 2003, um, getting into reading the books. Like, what was your take on House of the Dragon? I've been reading um, a number of reviews that I won't say were dire, but were saying like, whoa, temper your expectations. Uh, yeah. And so I was pleasantly surprised, actually, at how much kind of like I dropped right back into it. Um, I don't think all that much actually happened. It was a bunch of people like standing around talking in different settings. Yeah. Um, and then a couple uh, there was like a dragon breath at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think there's a there's a it's like a narrative setup for whatever's going to happen in the season. But, um, and I, there was like some you know people getting their faces smashed in, and somebody got their 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 uh, nads cut off. So uh-huh. spoiler alert. So I think there was some there was some uh, it was a brothel scene, obligatory brothel scene. So I think they they delivered sort of the expected. They, they goods, played the hits. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the the perfect album side, but. Uh, yeah. Nothing, nothing surprising or shocking. Um, so we'll see. I'll, you know, I'd love to watch. I mean, I like to look at it. It's beautiful. And uh, there's some, a bunch of really interesting people on screen, especially uh, what Reese Ethan's Hand of the King. Uh, I yeah. really like him a lot. What's um, he from? I'll tune in just for him. What, uh, a number of things. Wasn't he like the, the, the roommate, the flatmate in Notting Hill? Uh, Don't know. I don't know. So he's, he's a character actor that's been in like 5,000 things, and I'm surprised you don't have his IMDb page up right now. But that's what I believe is true. Flatware in Notting Hill, says Derek. All right. There you go. Okay. Oh, wait. The lizard in Spider-Man? Oh, that guy? Oh, that guy. That's who that is? Holy shit. I did not recognize him at all. Not at he, all. He's got some gravitas in this one. I'm digging that- it. That is wild. Well, I will say for me, Matt Smith completely blew me away. I was going in very much kind of guard up and not expecting to to really be impressed. And particularly the relationship established between him and and Rhaenyra's, I thought was really, really good. Rhaenyra was really good. Yeah. Um, So I I very much dug that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was great. I was just I was just kind of like. I, you know, I, we were joking in Discord. Like, I, I'm just ready to love again. I'm ready to forget mm. the the troubled times of the past. And mm. I was like listening to the, I was listening to the Jason Concepcion official pod today. I yeah. was like reading wiki pages about Valyrian swords. I was like, all right, I'm I'm back. You got you <laughs> <Dark> rascals. <laughs> you got me again. Yeah. Um, Crystal is less sold on this, both because she still feels incredibly burned by season eight of game of thrones and also as someone who has had uh two c-sections i don't know if this particular episode was for her um but uh i thought it was great 
I thought it was that, great. Great. That time. scene in particular was amazing. Um, the highlight to me, the highlight of the whole yeah. episode. Um, but just in general, the concept of seeing attorney getting all of the heraldry again, yeah, seeing yeah, yeah. the families, hearing the names, the, yeah. the locations. I was, I was totally the guy. I was totally the husband during the attorney scene who's like calling out the house sigils. I'm like, oh, that. That's what that one is. Like, in case uh-huh. you want to know, I've studied all the heraldry of Game of Thrones. <laughs> Leo, I can pointing. tell you which ones these are. Here's here's what I found really disturbing about the tourney scene. These these guys who you know presumably have been like training with weapons and wearing armor and riding horses and stuff for 20, 25 years. They come down to King's Landing. They go to the tournament to celebrate the birth of the 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 heir. And then they just get their faces fucking smashed in and die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like all that investment thrown away, just pissed away. Why, yeah. why would they let that happen? Why would well, the king I think, let? I, th- I think there's some line actually they have about that, which is that it's been too long since the last war. Bloodletting. And like yeah. they're all, there's some line about their balls being filled with seed, I think is the official explanation <laughs> um, in, in typical Game of Thrones fashion. But it is like, They've just been too much like pent up aggression for too long and they don't know like where to put it. And so they're having this tourney and people are just going fucking nuts. Mm. I guess to, in some ways it's sort of like the VC scene where like <laughs> 10 people are going to show up. One person's going to get going to get the you know billion X return and nine people are just going to get their faces fucking smashed. in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it looked incredible. Like I was thinking about as I was watching this, I just was taken straight back to Obi-Wan and how like horrible some of those fight scenes looked mm. and this looked it amazing looks really especially everything on horseback yeah um <laughs> it looked really good and it was shot it, we know it was shot in a volume some and of it yeah I, mm-hmm. I i felt like it still had like it looked awesome like it clear it clearly was not the discount volume they they splurged on the 4k volume um, <laughs> for this one it looked good look good cannot wait to continue uh yeah with, I'm with the with the story and and see how it unfolds it's just it's, it's definitely feels feels nice there and we will be having uh just a few weeks from now we've got ryan condal the showrunner coming yeah on. um so cannot wait when when it got to the credits and it said you know written by ryan condal yeah. created by Ryan Condal like, we know and George R.R. R. Martin. I was like, holy shit. We know shit. that guy. I literally just watched the show like two hours ago. And at the end of it, his he came on screen for like yeah. the, the back yeah. matter or whatever. And I was like. I know that uh, voice. To my, to my fiance, I was like, that guy's on Matt's podcast. <laughs> yeah, for impressive. some reason, he's on our podcast <laughs> repeatedly. Now, can you imagine the props that he's going to buy now that the show has got the success? Oh, my oh God. Oh, my God. Forget about yeah. it. Yeah. I'm excited to get him back on the pod to find out. Amazing. We're talking Terminator. With Ryan Condal, Michael Bean, part two, uh, following up from his Tombstone appearance. We'll, we'll tweet out um, the previous episodes Ryan did uh, so people can check those out. Because we had some good behind the scenes House of the Dragon talk six months ago. Yeah. So yeah. check yeah. it out. All right. Well, uh, I do want to welcome, uh, we had one friend arrive in the, yeah. in the Discord this week, Postmark. Postmark. Yeah. Oh, hi, Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. Great to have him. Yeah, it's uh, Discord's been going great. I want to give a special shout out to Silly Oswald, Dune Pod Projectionist Silly Oswald, mm. who uh, spun up a, a special screening uh, just right before this podcast started. Uh, yeah, we do screenings all the time, but we we were our schedule's been in flux, uh, and we had an ad hoc one. A bunch of people still showed up last minute. Uh, I was peeping it, even though it was during child bath time slash lightsaber duel. Uh, <laughs> 
And uh, it was hilarious. It was a really great time. Poke your sister with a sword for a minute. I gotta, I gotta watch this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Try not to get the eye. Hey there. H here with a quick trigger warning. Conan the Barbarian is an 80s pulp fantasy film, and as such, it includes a lot of sex and violence. In addition, as you'll hear in our discussion, even though I never realized it in 20 years of previous viewings, Jason and Brian correctly point out to me that there is also a sexual assault. You can jump past that portion of the discussion by using the chapter feature in your podcast app, or just check the show notes, which will include a timestamp after it. Thanks so much. Now back to the show. All right. Well, what do you think? Are you guys ready to get into this shit? Let's do it. Never been more ready. This synopsis, <laughs> I, I've, I've seldom been as excited as for a synopsis. All right, here we go. Conan is the epic pursuit for revenge and to prove our mettle. Conan, the Sumerian, born on the field of battle, far to the north in the days when the world was young, grows up in a small village learning the riddle of steel from his father, a powerful warrior and blacksmith. Conan's world is torn asunder when the vicious raiders led by the godlike figure Thulsa Doom descend on his village and slaughter his parents at all resistance. Sold into slavery, he grows to unprecedented strength and spirit on the wheel of pain and becomes a brutal pit warrior, expert swordsman, and master thief. Gathering a close adventuring party, fused by love and friendship, he will stop at nothing, not even death, in his quest for vengeance. If he can defeat Thulsa Doom and his forces, he will forge his destiny in the fires of history and be immortalized forever as Conan the Barbarian. Dun, dun, dun. Amazing soundtrack playing now, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. So I, do you want to take a few minutes to talk about the importance of this movie in your life? Uh, sure, sure. So I saw this film. So first of all, I think this one might have been Rennie. Almost all of the books uh, and comics that I got into were from my oldest brother, Reed. But it might have been Rennie that got me into Conan. And I read, there were 12, uh, 12 books in the Ace publications of Conan in the 80s. And I had all of them. And they go from the very beginning of his career when he's just like a teenager, up through him being a buccaneer, um, falling in love with Belit, him becoming more of a warrior, um, and then becoming a general, and then becoming a king, and having it's a like son. Horatio Hornblower, basically. Exactly, yeah. Or uh, what's the Brian? What's the Scottish guy that you like? Sharp. Oh yeah, or Master and Commander, or dot dot yeah, dot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So these books definitely spoke to me, and that was I was reading the Robert uh, R. E. Howard as well as Elspreg de Camp and Lynn Carter. Um, uh, and I think later Robert Jordan, all that stuff, uh, was, was just amazing to me. And then I had this weird, well, let me, I'll just stop for there and I'll circle back around in a minute. Uh, the film, I saw it, uh, as a young man, 12, 13 years old, 14 in 82 and just watched it all the time. This, this was like the greatest thing. And Arnold was just shimmering on the screen, the action, the music, the the violence, it just definitely grabbed me. The mm. orgy scene, uh, obviously. So an incredible, uh, incredible film that was a massive impact on me. Mm. 
How about how about you, Brian? I mean, it was always there, right? I mean, I guess I was what uh, eight when it came out, um, so I wouldn't have seen it in the theater. But it was, I don't I don't really remember it not being in my life. You know, in high school, we would my my best friend and I would like fashion swords and and armor out of like garbage around the house and run around playing Conan and mm. we collected the comic books and. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, there was a Conan MMO. Uh, Jason, I don't know if you were aware mm. of this. I want to say mm-hmm. it was around 2009 or so. I um, missed that one. And uh, it was called Age of Conan. It was super fun. Um, it Sadly, it doesn't play natively on a Mac, so I had to let it go. Uh, but um, I don't know. There, uh, the D&D modules, I, th- I want to say Conan was in the like the original Deities and Demigods um, uh, publication. Like It's yeah. just been all over the place in the various uh various elements of my life basically the whole time so and uh and it all comes back to that soundtrack for me like um the movie itself is almost discardable for me wow the soundtrack i've listened <laughs> wow. to a million times not not because it's bad just because yeah. the music is the thing that right. like i have the emotional response to totally right. i uh so somehow it became a running joke uh that i'd never seen this movie i don't actually even know what the origins of that bit were on this no Discord. idea i and i was like ah it's a joke of course i've seen conan the barbarian and then i went to watch it the other night and <laughs> it's possible i've only seen it once as an adult when i was incredibly stoned in college or something like huh. that like my mm. memory of this movie was very very poor like i basically only remember the parts that had a snake in it which is a mm-hmm. significant amount of the movie right. but aside <laughs> from that remember nothing uh whatsoever because i think it was just it's sort of the same thing as outland it was a little too violent and a little too boobyish to like kind of make it into the home when i was a child sure um and it, yeah and i don't know by the time i was a, a preteen or whatever uh no one had like you know i i don't know it just wasn't in the rotation among my among my peers mm. um and so yeah like the first like arnold movie as we talked about before that i really remember seeing as a young as a young boy was uh commando and like it was like mm. i went over to a friend's house uh and it was like a thing where our moms were friends and was, they wanted us to play and we only saw each other like once every six months um but i went over to his house and he was like hey have you heard of commando i was like no i don't know what's that he's like let me show you something's gonna blow your mind and it was like i'd never seen anything that violent in my life i right. think it was supposed to i think that could have been conan but yeah instead was commando so i think I've, i think this was like really my first real viewing of the movie Amazing. jokes notwithstanding i think i started that uh uh and so i'm glad i was right so thank yeah, you yeah you were right that. turns out you're right so um so when i was in college i talked about this when ryan was on the pod and maybe the first time uh that that he was on but um I had a shotgun phase, big shotgun phase. Shot, big shotgun phase, yeah. And so I used to hang out in college with Joey Carasoni, and we would routinely go over to Joey's house um, or over to his buddy's house. I can't remember his name, but he was the guy that got my thousands of dollars worth of comics that I left when I moved to California. But we would put on Conan, and we would get out Aliens the board game, and then we would just watch Conan and play Aliens the board game um, while we were having a good time. Um, so I watched this all the time um, and was obsessed with it. So much so that when I was in college uh, and I was getting you know very much back into comics and really enjoying that, I decided that I was going to reach out to Conan's people to try and get them to update the trade dress 
because I was personally offended that the trade dress that they had was just terrible looking um, in the 90s. And so I did a bunch of research and I identified contact information for the Howard Estate, Berkeley Publishing, Arnold's agent, Arthur Lieberman from Conan Properties Incorporated. How did I find any of this stuff without the internet? Mm -hmm. I have no fucking idea. Right. Seriously, I have no idea how I did it. Maybe the back of the book or whatever and just started making calls or something. But um, so I found in my archive uh, this morning, I, I went back, I knew I had it somewhere. I found the letter that I faxed Arthur Lieberman and says, uh, I'm writing you in regards to some thoughts that I have had concerning the Conan books currently being printed. As I mentioned in our telephone conversation, I feel that there's an untapped market of potential Conan readers who are not being reached for several reasons. Oh I'm speaking God. of the comic book reading market. Dot, 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 lots of stuff. Furthermore, to me, it seems that the covers drawn by Royo, that's the current artist, Swordsman is a perfect example, depict Conan as a wavy-haired pretty boy who would rather stand and pose than, quote, strive and slay. You asked me, dot, 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 end of the letter, you asked me what I would like in return for bringing up these ideas. I would most like to see them come to pass, but if you think they are applicable in light of the 60th anniversary of the Phoenix on the Sword coming up in December, I would like to participate in helping that happen. Have you ever in your entire life- Had chill? Yeah, just for one day. Like, yeah. have you just like have you have you just experimented with chill just to see what it feels like? No, <laughs> God, this was Matt. This was Matt being selfless, putting him out himself out there on behalf of all of us. Like he was I'm doing sure it because none of us would. I'm sure mm. that's how it read. I'm sure that's how it read. <laughs> well, and so Lieberman's office actually cc'd me on a letter to Marvel editor Barry Dutter saying, uh -huh. we recently received an interesting fan suggestion, which might work best in Savage Sword. Let's discuss in the next few days. Oh, that's great. Did it happen? I'm sure nothing happened. They didn't keep you on the thread? <laughs> I was not, I mean, there were you no further. You further? In, no in further. A Letters, in, carbon copies. In Discord, Silly Oswald says that your letter to him is notarized. Is that true? Wait, uh, the response maybe. I don't know. Is that right? The one you sent wasn't notarized. You didn't no, go the one I sent like was definitely not notarized. That's right. All right. All right. Oh my God. Okay. Because uh, I could uh, see that yeah. being true, to be perfectly honest. Like mm. that you, you went down to the post office and told them, yes, I need this authenticated by the U.S. government in some way because- Oh, you know what? It is- it, it, it was. Oh my God. No, no, why? but not by. Wait, wait. Was it by me? 124.92. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. That's weird. Somebody must have said because I was like submitting an idea or something. I, I don't know, dude. Propelled by superhuman force through the chest of an adversary. Oh my God. <laughs> If you read the rest of the letter, we'll post it. Uh, it. It's it's somewhat disturbing. There's a lot of focus on the violence and the death that's happening. So like that's possible. Um, I was a little too a uh, little too into that. Anyways, that's my Conan publishing story. That's great. That's um, great. In the midst of finding that, I also found my Mister Mainland pick. Thank God uh, that we talked about with Slim when we did Prince of Darkness and when I yeah. won uh, Mister Mainland um, and my 16th birthday driver's license where I had my Max Headroom T-shirt. Which is great because it spawned your new Max Petty yes. uh, t-shirt coming soon from Dune Pod merch. Yes. Mm. Great. All right. Should we talk about the titles for this movie? Please. Are we up to the beginning of the movie now? Well, you want to do some behind the scenes real quick? Oh, please. Yeah. Why start the movie? Let's okay. let's just uh, let's keep going. Very good. <laughs> 
good. So John Milius, uh, in the interview, Conan Unchained, uh, that's an hour-long documentary that I highly recommend everyone watch immediately after the movie. Um, you have this great scene where John Milius, the director, describes Robert E. Howard, and that in the 30s, he was in Texas, and he was kind of this nut, and people were coming after him because he had a lot of weapons in his house, and they, they didn't like him, and he says... But the best part is he's alone one night, and he feels a shadow overtake him from behind, and he knows that Conan is standing behind him with a large axe, and Conan tells him, just stay there and write, and if you don't do exactly what I'm going to tell you, I'm going to cleave you down the middle. And so he's so terrified because Conan just exudes such power and fear and he can just see the axe glinting in his peripheral vision, you know, that he just writes all night. And of course, with the coming of dawn, he turns around finally and Conan is gone. So he falls upon the floor completely mm. spent. Mm. That's weird. That is strange. Okay. So John Milius is a weirdo, right? Yeah. I mean, we should, we should mention that John Milius is a bit of a lunatic. St. Louis native. Uh, so we stand, we stand that. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's a Jewish fellow from St. Louis whose parents were in the shoe business, which almost assuredly means that like my grandparents knew his, I mean, like it, it's almost guaranteed that our families were friends because oh, wow. my family was also in the St. Louis Jewish shoe business in the early 20th century. So it's just like not possible that they wouldn't have bumped into each other. Uh, that being said, straight lunatic. Um, well, he was at he was at USC and he was there with Lucas and was very close with Coppola and Steven Spielberg. And in fact, he was the head of that group of friends. He was the first one to get a job. He was the first one to get his films out. So he was considered the brightest out of all of them. Right. And then he, he would go on to write. Uh, Jeremiah Johnson, and then write uh, Dirty Harry. Yeah. And then after that, um, Lucas was the one who was supposed to make Apocalypse Now, and he decided to opt out, and Francis took it, and Milius right. wrote Apocalypse Now. Right, right. One of the greatest films of all time. It is. I do think Dirty Harry, Apocalypse Now, and Conan the Barbarian have to sort of be understood in light of his reactionary politics. Like, you uh -huh. know, just, to, just to be clear, like, like Milius has said, I'm, I am a right wing extremist so f far beyond the Christian identity people and stuff like that, that they can't even imagine. I'm so far beyond that. I'm Maoist. I'm an anarchist. I've always been an anarchist, a true right. real right winger. If he goes far enough, hates all form of government because government should be done to cattle and not human beings. And he said in another quote, uh, I call myself a romantic. I believe in a lot of 19th century ideals, chivalry, honor, loyalty, and romantic love. So this is mm. like, this is like kind of, you know, the, I think this is kind of important for understanding the, this understanding Conan, right? I mean, because it, it is ultimately this, like, there's this new religion and I'm going to bring back the old ways and like, you know, do, do, do battle onto it. That's the thematic level of Conan.
Yeah, and I highly recommend folks check out the documentary Milius um, that really talks about what a maverick he was and, and the impact that he has. And he has interviews with everybody, um, Lucas and Spielberg and Scorsese, talking about uh, what a wild man he is. Uh, worth checking out. So then the other side, uh, and this is the last piece of behind the scenes, um, Ed Pressman was the producer, and he basically saw Pumping Iron in 75, and he's like, this is the guy. This is the we guy. Need, we need to find the vehicle. I don't know what yeah. it is. And then he had a friend who had a comic shop, Ed Summer, who told him about Conan. So they took five years to get it made. They had all. They had Roy Thomas uh, and Ed Summer originally did the script. They got Oliver Stone to come in. Um, and this is incredible. Oliver Stone says, the, the draft, draft I, I wrote, wrote, Conan, the first one, I wrote... I always undertook it as one of 12. You know, I always thought there'd be like 12 movies. But unfortunately, I feel the producers of the movie misunderstood the real goal and that they sold it short. And Arnold should have come back every year or two years like James Bond and done one. They should have. I mean, like, it, it is sort of the property that... Uh, I, I mean, I think, like, in my list of critiques about Conan... It was it was something where I wish you know, and this is also having seen it sort of on the heels of diving back into Game of Thrones, but like I, I wish there was like more of the lore in the movie. world building. Like, yeah, because like what you get on the screen feels fairly arbitrary and kind of like non-specific. Like it's just like, oh yeah, there are these places and they look Mongolian or Nordic and they worship Odin, but he's also Genghis Khan, and it's just this like cultural mishmash that doesn't really mean anything. Um, mm. that like, I'm sure in the books, there's a whole Definitely. thing. Um, but like, you know, it just wasn't that kind of movie. Hmm. Interesting. Well, in the end, the producer sold the film to Dino, uh, who heard the pitch at the, at, at a hotel and was like, I'll buy it on the spot. Um, and then they got Milius, uh, and, and, or they, they took Milius and made him the director. Um, they filmed for six months in Yugoslavia, but then there was political upheaval like in 1980 and they had to move yeah. to Spain, uh, yeah. which seemed real good. All right, let's get into it. The credits, Brian, Nietzsche quote, that which does not kill us makes us stronger. That's the Kelly Clarkson quote, <laughs> technically. Uh, Famed Kelly Clarkson lyric. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Big Nietzsche fan, uh, Clarkson. So we immediately, the drums are so evocative, the quote is so great, and then we have Mako. Between the time when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of. And onto this, Conan, destined to bear the jeweled crown of Aquilonia upon a troubled brow. It is I, his chronicler, who alone can tell thee of his saga. Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. Like, fuck man, the music, yeah. his voice, incredible. They did get really lucky with the score. The score, the score does paper over a lot of mistakes. Mm. Like, you know, where, like a lot of things that you'd be like, is this narration actually good? It doesn't matter because the score is like selling. You on it. Mm. Mm. Basil Palladoris uh, is the score. He did this. Uh, he did Big Wednesday. He did Red Dawn. He did yeah. Robocop. He did Hunt for Red October and Starship Troopers. Yeah, just a just a killer. Just a, yeah. an absolute murderer. 
pretty sure he was uh, responsible for me running my first marathon. Uh, just the, oh. just like oh. being excited to go run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that in your head and lacing on yeah. that, like the big hairy boots and going Let's out go. the door. <laughs> <laughs> Putting on my goat hide boots. <laughs> ready to run 26 miles. Yeah. Let's go. Amazing. What was your pace that one? What'd you do? <laughs> like, I don't know, 50 <laughs> minutes. I don't know. <laughs> we the starting point, the starting point sets a very low bar and then, you know, you iterate past it. There we go. Okay. Yeah. That was San Francisco, right? Uh, San Francisco uh, first half. I think that was when you, I think that was when you were live tweeting as you were running and you had one that was like mile 13, knees fucking broke. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Also, don't forget that I was listening to Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets on audiobook. Oh, Jesus. I don't know if that does it. (laughs) Uh, I will call out, it's apt that Conan's father is a blacksmith and he is making an incredible sword. Uh Two facts. Schwarzenegger is German for blacksmith. I don't believe that's true. I think oh. Schwarzenegger is German for black farmer. Are you sure? Mm, to the internet. Let's look it up. Well, Let's I will tell up. you, I am sure that Herrero is is Spanish for blacksmith. Let's see. So. Is it? Yeah. Uh, corner. <laughs> black corner, I guess, depending Wicked. on... Wiktionary would have us believe that it's someone from Schwarzenegg. <laughs> Very helpful. <laughs> All right. Uh, I do love the fact, like the intricate, uh, the swords work uh, that they did in the construction of those swords. There's an inscription that says, suffer no guilt, ye who wield the sword for Krom. Um, so that that is just super dope. And we have his father telling him the riddle of steel, um, which is amazing. Um, and then we get into this attack on the village. Yes, the attack on the village, very well filmed. I was in it. I was in it during the attack of the village for sure. Um, it's nuts, right? The scope of this and the scale of this. They, it really did. It had like sort of. I was like, oh man, they really ran a bunch of horses through some huts that they built. Like it. It, it was like <laughs> I'm not saying it like made me think of Lawrence of Arabia and like you know the siege of Aqaba, but it, it made me yeah. think of Lawrence of Arabia, the siege of Aqaba. I was like, oh yeah, they they really went all out. They staged the hell out of this thing. Mm. And Conan's dad is just a fucking boss, right? He is he is going to town um, yeah. un- until ultimately he learns the lesson that we relearned this year with the old man, which is watch out for dogs. Watch out for dogs. You know, you think you've well, got to be. Here's the thing. It reminded me of that scene in Austin Powers where the Zamboni's like a thousand yards away. Like, but he <laughs> yeah. saw the dogs coming from a long yeah. way away and he just stood there and let them come. Well, he'd already been shot once, in fairness. He'd already been arrowed <laughs> yeah. once. Oh, he had an axe. No, axe to the back. Like, axe in, to the back. In his yeah, spine. Sorry. Like, he was not... Fair uh, enough. Yeah. He, so he was a little, He had a little mobility issues. He couldn't defend off the puppies because of the He was bloodied. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was real tough. Staggered. But, so so this battle, it just unfolds, and it's it's extremely intense. And then it's over, and we have um, Thulsa Doom showing up. We have Thorgrim and Rexor, who are the two big bros. Thorgrim uh, and Rexor. Yeah. And they're, like, looking at this beautiful sword. Like, maybe they shouldn't have killed the guy who knew how to make the sword. Yeah. Um, but there is a four-minute scene, which is just James Earl Jones as Thulsa Doom looking at the mom. Looking pretty. Hypnotizing her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Milia said specifically he wanted the blue eyes and the straight hair on Thulsa Doom. He wanted to convey that he was Atlantean. Um, you know, and a people <laughs> as, as, as you know, that is what yeah. the Atlanteans <laughs> look like. Right. That's right. right. 
classic the, the identifying characteristics. Mm. But we're 12 minutes into this movie and there've been like five lines of dialogue, which to me is like beautiful. Yeah. Is that working for you at this point or not? This is what I had my curl moment in this scene. Unfortunately, Are you serious? Right? Yeah. Because like I, it was when the helmets came off of Rexor and Thalgrim, uh, uh-huh. And they those those fucking fantasy wigs that they're uh, wearing show up. I was just like, no, I can't with those wigs. It's another oh, no. movie. It's another movie of bad fantasy wigging. Now it is somewhat saved both by how amazing uh, James Earl Jones's wig looks, um, yes. plus the fact that Conan's mom is hot as hell. I mean, yes, Conan's mom has got it going on. Like mm-hmm. it is a shame. That she dies as her. We need the Conan's mom prequel. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. And she gave birth on the battlefield. Uh, yeah, exactly. Would like to see that. Um, so he is. No. He is <laughs> what? <laughs> he is sold uh, <laughs> into slavery and he is placed on the wheel of pain. The wheel. Which, the wheel of pain. Like iconic. Um, Ron Cobb is the designer of this film. He is the production designer of this film. He worked on Jodorowsky's Dune, Star Wars, Alien, Raiders, Aliens, The Abyss, Total Recall, Firefly, and Southland Tales. Does <laughs> does the Wheel of Plane achieve any purpose? Like, is it doing something for them? It grinds the grain. It's a, like a millstone situation? Mm-hmm. All right. They don't have beasts in this part of the world? The, the point is the pain. You got to do something with your slaves. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, but so two things, the effortless storytelling, the way that he's pushing the wheel and he's get, his legs are getting bigger. Yeah. And then the reveal when it's Arnold, like, it's just amazing. I get, I, you know, the, the Arnold leg, <laughs> is that what you're commenting? Is no, no. When he the, looks up, when he looks up and you see Arnold's face. That first, the first look up from Arnold is definitely a vibe. Um, the other thing it made me think of was I saw the Northman recently mm-hmm. on vacation mm-hmm. uh, and just absolutely fucking loved it. Uh, and this movie is fairly similar to the Northman and that like boy loses his family, vows vengeance and like goes through adventures to achieve it or whatever. It's that story. Um, mm-hmm. And like and it's similar, like boy loses family as a scrawny child and then just gets swole as Fuck. Like, you know, <laughs> like like my vengeance will be will be fucking, you know, steered by the the mighty gains that I'm undertaking. I mean, Arnold on this wheel of pain must have been on some sort of ten thousand calorie a day diet because oh, yeah. he is absolutely huge. How uh, much grain are they are they milling on this? I thing? mean, it's expensive to feed Arnold <laughs> as much as he's eating. Like, it's a lot. Well, and he's got those good genes from the the hot mom and the and the yeah. oh, swordsman dad, sword. so oh, that helps. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. You know, the thing that the thing that I couldn't help but thinking um, in the the chuckle hut viewing was, and 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 I'm gonna um, Matt, I'm gonna refer back to like the good old days of D and D when we would like we would think about D and D module design and we would be like in the dungeon, like what's the ecosystem? Like where do they grow their food or where do they you know get rid of their refuse? Right. And here I was thinking, if everybody's just constantly like pushing the wheel for 20 years, where where does their refuse go? And why don't we see any of it on the ground or anything? I feel like there's an ecological kind of um, right. uh, completeness that we're not treated to. Uh, while we're just watching the wheel go round and round that I, I was curious about. I wanted to know more. 
Well, little known, little known fact, the Vanier are a union shop, uh, so they do have some rules mm. about how they ah. treat their slaves. They got to have a 15-minute break uh, twice per day. That's a, this is where like the Nordic mythology, uh, the, the Norse mythology of like the whole thing, because he talks about Odin and Valhalla and the Vanir, like, you know, the sort of uh-huh. other gods that aren't the Asir. Like there's a whole there's a whole thing going on, but it's like just sort of all very superficial. Like there, it's not it's not really with any any meaning to it. And, and it's and you were right earlier when you said it doesn't pay off in the movie. But then if you go back and look at like the Conan mythology and like it's um, a whole the, thing. Everything that you know, the whole setting he created in like whatever the 80,000 word essay that he wrote to like describe um, Hyborian stuff, it's all there. And um, and he, he did the world building and wrote the Bible. And yeah. then they just like name check a few places in the movie. So it doesn't yes. connect. It's not right, satisfying right, right. It makes unless sense. you know that stuff already. Because he yeah. goes he goes from and I mean, this is true. I, I've had the same experience from House of the Dragon. I'm in the tank. Like I've done the work. I know all of it. So I am like triggered by every little bit. And in terms of enjoyment, like Conan spent years going through each of these different countries and dealing with the systems that were there and raising up in power and throwing people down and, you know, going across the border and starting another adventure over somewhere else. So like, that's definitely all there. Um, For me, I have no problem that none of that is in here. I'm perfectly fine that there's just like all these amazing vistas and the music and the fighting um, and the friendship. Um, yeah. That's what works for me. Jason, if you had played uh, Age of Conan, you would have killed raid bosses in every one of these zones. You yeah. recognize the names from that. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, that's generally, I, I, I mean, I, I do, I'm not above consuming lore through MMO. Like that's definitely a, a learning mechanism for me that's worked before. So nice, nice. So as the final remaining person on the wheel of pain and being huge, he is promoted to pit fighter. And this fight is unreal. First of all, Arnold's sounds as he's initially being attacked, being chomped, like amazing, fucking hilarious. Um, but then he's just wailing on this guy, and you see him start to get the bloodlust as he's smash- breaking his arm and then smashing his head in. And then as he keeps going in this fight, there's a shot where he takes his sword, similar to Paul, and he kind of flips his sword around, and yeah. he, just, he looks at it and he smiles and then smashes the guy. Or the way he's getting the guy with the, the knife and the elbow. It's just like awesome. Some of the yeah. best fighting on screen you're going to get. He beats the shit out of him, that's for sure. I mean, uh, uh, I, I don't know if it's the best fighting you're going to see on screen, but like, I, you know, he like, he gets his arm in that like, uh, he like breaks the guy's arm and then he's going to like punch him in the face a bunch of times and he's, he seems to be enjoying it. I do like the montage they do of like, you know, sort of, are you not entertained? You know, just like, you know, Conan arms out to the side in different outfits. He did not, not care, care anymore. anymore. Life. And, and death, death the same <laughs> the pa- the pacing of this movie is kind of wild because they do like sort of allow a bunch of different parts of it to really just play out slowly like you know the 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 doom the Thulsa doom like you know looking back over his shoulder before i behead you stuff and then like the conan fight stuff it's just like it goes it goes on for a while it goes on for a while <laughs> But I love then he he's sent to the east to train with the yes, masters. I like that. I like that he's he needs to level up. He needs the dual class now. He can't just be a brawler. He's got to be a swordsman too. 
Exactly. And the Swordmaster is the actual Swordmaster on the film, Kiyoshi Yamazaki, who is responsible uh-huh. for making the swords and doing the, all the training nice. um, of those guys, which is incredible. But also he's reading philosophy, he's reading poetry. And then this is one of the best, like to me, the editing and the storytelling here, he's bred to the finest stock. This wo- the woman is brought in for him to impregnate um, as this amazing pit fighter or whatever. And he's like very gentle with her. Okay. And- Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. And you hear her breathing and it transitions from her breathing to the sound of him with the sword. And it's like flawless, it's perfect. And his moves with the sword are incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's a rape. So like, let's just be (laughs) like, let's just be like a little, (laughs) let's just be clear that it's a rape. And she like, might be. She might be like. No, 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 don't say anymore. Don't, 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 no, 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 no. Just you save, save yourself and us. Way. It's a rape. It's you know. No. There's other movies with rapes. No, 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 uh, no, 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 no. It's Conan is established as. I'm begging uh, Brian, you Brian, back me up. Back me up, Brian. Uh, I mean, I, it seems like a rape to me. No. <laughs> <laughs> she clearly is not consenting. I mean, it's nice of him to be kind and to, like, to like, for a second, to like, yeah, for a second before undressing her oh and raping her in front of a crowd. The breeding to the finest stock part. Yeah, no, not great. I, not I great. took that. I took that as like the movie wants whatever. you to take it that way. The movie wants you to take it ambiguously, but in fact, what's being depicted is not ambiguous. Oh, I don't know. Okay, I'm gonna disagree on that one. <laughs> I take your point. <laughs> so I'm glad Slim is here during this part of the conversation. He always catches us at our best. Tape Deck is about to revoke our uh, our, our licensing. Here. Oh man, that was a good. All one. right, so well, great. So then we go from there to uh, you know to uh, what is best in life. But what is best in life? Yes. What is best in life? <laughs> what is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of your women. That is Why is this so resonant in in culture? Why does everybody know this quote? I think it's like, you know, it's like, you know, bros being bros. They somehow think that, like, you know, whatever sort of argument they got in over the water cooler is the equivalent to Conan hearing the lamentations <laughs> of their women. Uh, like, you know, I, I, Kev points out in Discord that the delivery is is Arnold classic. And it is like sort of like early. It is like sort of, you know, early Arnold delivery uh, where you're you're not really sure what he sounds like. Mm. Um, and so it has this like, you know, very specific Arnold cadence, but here it's got like a poetic vibe, whereas yeah. it's all one liners from here on out for him. I mean, in uh, subsequent movies, I mean, I wonder what this poetry was that Arnold was reading, like when he was given access to the books, like what, is, what, what were the, what was the literature he was consuming in his slave pen? They name check it. The wizard name checks it. I forget. I don't remember it off the top mm. of my head, but it's good. So he ends up being released. He's freed from slavery. Um, and so he is on the run being chased by dogs. Um, by the way, what was his, his owner was Tormund Giants Bane, right? Or his twin brother. Essentially. Like, it looked yeah. like it because of the red, because of the red hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It was, it was, uh, I, I had to do a double take there. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. And he, I guess, made enough money or whatever, and it was it was time to go. But so we have Conan climbing up in top uh, to get away from the dogs. And I do love this. Arnold um, tells the story. I somehow got to the place to climb up and couldn't find the first step. <laughs> and the next thing I knew was this wolf jumping on my back. 
ripping me down from the top of the rock and I'm falling down and uh, injure myself. These were the first few stitches, not even noon yet on the first day of shooting. Um, and then he drops down into the crypt, which has the greatest Arnold sound of all time. <laughs> Oh, man, it sounds like he's like swallowing some lederhosen or something. That is just wild. Amazing. And so our, uh, so Milius said, when Arnold did fall and he was bleeding, and he said, I'm bleeding. And I said, that looks great. Don't touch it. The pain is momentary, but the film will live forever. Yes. So that's that's kind of like the Milius vibes uh, all the way through. There is a, this is like, a, this is a scene in Northman too. In the Northman, he has to go into a, a crypt and receive mm. and like retrieve a weapon from a drogger. So it's like a real Skyrim like cutscene. That was like um, drug filled, right? Too or not? I that one's not, but there's other drug scenes. Mm. Yeah. I, I'm curious, have you have you guys watched the um the I don't know if it was the director's cut or whatever, but where um I think it was Milius and Arnold were doing the commentary um over the mm. movie. I only watched maybe 10 minutes of it, but basically every Arnold was like, do you remember when that happened? That was so funny. Ha ha ha. That was like his entire contribution throughout. So that's, he that's a gold, great. a gold mine to dig up. Oh my God. He seems, Arnold seems great. He seems like he's doing, he seems like he's doing great in this, in his advanced age. Mm, yeah. And so this is based on the thing in the crypt by L. Sprague de Camp, who was a technical advisor on the film. He came in after Robert E. Howard. And essentially this is called, um, which was another one of the characters that Howard um, worked on. And so it's just awesome. I also love the fact that he gets the sword. Again, the music, it's taking its time. Mm-hmm. He comes out, he breaks his chain, and the yeah. dogs are barking. And the next scene, he's running and he's wearing a bunch of dog furs. Yeah. Uh, like, I yeah, love that's great. That subtle joke. Really good, really good storytelling. Mm. I also like that they don't show the dogs getting killed on screen because I don't like that. Totally. So, how about the witchy woman? Witchy Woman's Wild. I this is when I knew I'd never seen this movie for sure. I was like, I don't know what the hell this is. Yeah, uh, yeah. She's uh she's a like a, a succubus of some kind, I guess. Yeah. She needs his energy. I just love the idea of him throwing her into the fire. The fire. Yeah. And then he sleeps in her bed. <laughs> After she flies away in in uh, in, in corporeal uh, form. That's pretty great. He didn't didn't set a watch. No, no he's like, he, she's not coming back. I knew it was trouble when uh, when she's like, I you don't are you interested in my fire or whatever she says? Uh-huh. Um, I was like, oh, no, no one ever just offers up their fire like that. This is not going to go well. Not going to mm. go well for you. Now, I I seem to recall like he gets up the next morning after having like waffles or whatever and walks out the door. And Subotai is sitting right there. Did yeah. he miss him the night before? Like, what happened? It's a great question. It's a great question. Subotai. I don't have an answer. So Subotai, of course, played by champion surfer Jerry Lopez. Um, Love it. Who, Milius was a huge uh, surfer. He was called the Viking. That was his nickname. Okay. Milius's nickname. Milius's nickname, because okay. he was a big uh, longboard surfer, and he shot the film Big Wednesday with Jerry Lopez and Jan Michael Vincent and I forget who the other who the other main guy is um, 
But he's like best friends with Subutai. They're hanging out all the, or with Jerry Lopez. And so he decided to put him in there. And I just love instantly the the two of them are so great together. The music with them running and, uh, and trying to figure out life in the city. Yeah, they seem like real bros. It's good. Yeah. I'm glad he has a friend. He deserves a friend. After all he's been through with the dogs and the succubus and like, you know, falling in the pit. (laughs) He deserves a nice little friend who's an archer and a surfer, I guess. I do like them fucking around. You got the, um, you know, them like getting wasted on Black Lotus that they bought from Ron Cobb. Yeah, this seems like a chill town. It's like the Amsterdam of, you know, this this world. But the guy's like fucking a camel and then they're laughing. He punches at that. the camel. What's he doing with that camel? <laughs> the guy's fucking a llama. Sorry, there's a llama in the shadows that the guy's the guy is uh, having relations with, and then he punches the camel. <laughs> I I missed the llama fucking, I have to confess. I wasn't paying that close attention. I don't know if I we should stop the podcast so that I can go back and <laughs> and, and watch more carefully. Um I have questions about how they did the camel punching, because it's not clear to me that it wasn't just they had Arnold punch a camel. It looks like it, but it's it's movie magic. I think Arnold these might have trained, just clocked, trained clocked a camel. <laughs> these are trained, highly trained animals. Somewhere uh, there's a dromedary with a hell of a story. It's like, you wouldn't believe this shit. In the scroll at the at the very bottom, it says only one animal was harmed during the making. <laughs> yeah, of this exactly. Film. Camel got the shit punched out of <laughs> Dogs it. Dogs are cool. Camel, not so much. Camel didn't make it. <laughs> and Obama got fucked. What can we say? All right, so we get the extra here. was a method actor and demanded that he actually <laughs> fuck the llama. Is Slim still here? I don't want him to miss any of this. This is important. <laughs> Slim. Somebody tag him. Uh, so we have the stealing the eye of the serpent breaking in. And this is where we have the giant snake, Jason, that made an impression on you. This I definitely remembered. Uh, great giant snake. Looks good. Um, and we have and malaria. Like, this, this is where I sort of had notes similar to, um, the, similar to Outland, which is, are we sure like at this point that like you should just be fucking with these people's religion and their snake bro Uh, like it just it seems a little aggressive to just go in and decide like i'm gonna stab this snake through the head vengeance dude you ever heard of it well but these aren't even the same people they are the same people they are the same people it's not thulsa dune though it's not like the guy it's his his number two Yeah. yeah it's number two but like i don't even know if he knows that when he goes in he's just looking for snake lovers but that guy, so so what what Ron Cobb said, this was established. Uh, they asked him, how about two snakes coming together? Yeah. The only snakes I know are the snakes of Set and those accursed towers. Two yeah. or three years ago, it was just another snake cult. Now they're everywhere. No. I love the fact that there's like a bunch of competing snake cults out there. Yeah, you know, you, you got a lot of it's a lot of demand in that part in that time in the world. Snakes. There, there's another line later, it's like, oh, all this shit that's around me to the north, some tower to the south more fucking snakes like it's a real time of it's a real time of snakes but i'm getting real out over my skis here but i'm pretty sure that it was like um the snakes were from stygia stygia like Mm -hmm. it was like the state religion or some some shit again they don't tell you anything about that so it's just okay shrug question mark kind of situation i think that's what so thulsa doom is from is stygian uh which i think is meant to be egypt and that's the set connection Um, and so Mm. obviously he's been doing sort of like leveraged buyouts and mergers, consolidating, franchising, uh, you know, set, um, and getting it out there. 
you have all this tender uh, courtship and lovemaking with Valeria. Um, yeah. It's interesting. They never say her name in the film. Right. Uh, but she's great. Sandal Bergman is terrific in this. She is good. She is good. I liked her as like a, as someone in the movie who wasn't just like, you know, getting wrecked by the dudes. Hmm. Hmm. So they end up getting uh, called out to go work for King Osric. I was not expecting to see Max, Max von Sydow. Max von Sydow. You never know where he'll pop up. He could be anywhere. In the 80s, could be anywhere. Any genre Pressing film. the hot hail button. Yeah. He's I think great. that was directly next from here, right? He went from here, met Dino, and then did Flash with Dino. And then did and then did Dune. Like I mean, it was oh a real run. God. It's a real wow. run for for Max in wild wild cinema. Uh, Discord says that Flash was maybe before this. I was wrong. Um, I'm so sorry. But uh, still, Max doing just great work. He kind of looks like a Santa Claus. He's kind of got like this, like sort of you know, John. He looks like some kind of Finnish Santa Claus, uh, <laughs> in in his like kind of antlered hat or whatever. But I was happy to see him. He's great. There's the moment at the end where he says, There comes a time, thief, when the jewels cease to sparkle, when the gold loses its luster, when the throne room becomes a prison, and all that is left is a father's love for his child. Mm. I took that as like a direct call forward of where Conan was going to go and the notion of him ultimately sitting the crown, jewel, you know, throne and thinking and um and dealing with that yeah the yeah. layers jason the layers it's also it's also a challenge to all of us as parents to you know <laughs> to make sure we enjoy this time with our children and you know no matter how many lego sets you get it won't it won't replace the simple love uh the simple of getting love yelled at yeah, of getting, getting yelled just at. screamed at daily <laughs> when the when the snake dude comes along it's over for you yeah Oh, my God. So Valeria doesn't want to take the mission, so he ends up going off on his own. And I just want to call out, when he is on that horse in the chain mail, he looks fucking amazing. Yeah, he looks good. Riding his horse into the ocean, the Spanish ocean, it's like better than Lawrence of Arabia. Come on. Wow. <laughs> you want to you think about that for a second, or you're just going to let it go? You're just going to let it rip? Take a mm. sip of the beer. Think about it. Think of, think of that. See if that you're willing to defend that. Discord, yes or no. <laughs> uh, oh Nexus boy. nine. Nexus nine asks uh, or or posits that Max and Dino uh, went to a number of cocaine orgies together, and I think that has to be true. I think that like I think that like whatever Max and Dino must have seriously been balling at some point in the early oh '80s God. in Europe. Whatever, like you know, the disco scene in like the south of France or whatever must have been amazing. Um, with Max and Dino. W was he in Caligula as well? The, no, the, that's, uh, that's, no, that's Peter O'Toole, uh, right? No, no. It's, yeah, the uh, little fishies. No, that's Malcolm Peter O'Toole. Yeah. It's Peter O'Toole. Yeah. Well, no, Malcolm McDowell started it, but Peter O'Toole is like the emperor Tiberius. who's like in the pool with the little fishies. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember that. I but picture... that was the height of, of Dino De Laurentiis. So it was like if you know Max is his, mm -hmm. his coke orgy friend, I would have expected him to cast him. Dino's taste is just absolutely ridiculous you want to read it just, off you have just, it right in front of you just an unbelievable time he was having in the 80s his family's still making movies i think i picture max von Sydow as being like an early like yoga like aficionado like i i, I picture him being like straight edge and 
Derek, Derek asked who's going to do a movie about Dino De Laurentiis, and I would watch the shit out of that. Like, I would watch like a just a PowerPoint presentation about the life and times of Dino De Laurentiis. <laughs> you guys should pitch Rob. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll pitch Ryan. We'll pitch Ryan Condal when we have him back on. <laughs> see if we'll see if Ryan will take it up after he's done just minting a fortune off of this fucking dragon show that he's going to make for five years. That sounds good. Uh, so Conan does run into the wizard. I'm a wizard, mind you. And we finally get to Mako, Mako. Uh, yeah. Who is the goat. He has an Academy Award nomination. <laughs> Tony, best actor for Sondheim's Pacific yeah. Overtures. I've never seen a Sondheim. Also star of, as uh, from Samurai Jack, Aku. Now the fool seeks to return to the past and undo the future that is Aku. And on Avatar The Last Airbender, Uncle Iroh. Zuko, you must let go of your feelings of shame if you want your anger to go away. But I don't feel any shame at all. I'm as proud as ever. Prince Zuko, pride is not the opposite of shame, but its source. True humility is the only antidote to shame. Did you just say you've never seen a Sondheim? I've never seen a Sondheim. You've never seen like Sweeney Todd, the nope. the, the movie version? Company, Into the Woods. Sunday in the Park. Is this the last pod we're doing? Pacific Overtures. <laughs> Grand finale? I'll see you here in two weeks for Into I, the Woods, Matt, which I'm is not the greatest the, one, but it is happening right now. I'm excited it. to announce that I will be joining Austin Danger Podcast as the third host. <laughs> you and Kev can start Sondheim pod. Perfect. Um, he is incredible. Every moment that guy is on screen, he is electric. Mako. Yeah, he's great. Really good. Definitely good. Mm. Love it. All right. So we get into uh, the Mountain of Doom. He tries to make his way in there. This, like, they built this massive set out yeah. there. Looks they had awesome. No drawings. They set just, looks amazing. Incredible. Yeah. And uh, and so and again, Cobb uh, designed the whole thing um, with his with his just sketches, not actual plans. And then they had an Italian builder um, make it happen. But you have it looks like, like it looks like they could have staged Jesus Christ Superstar there. Like yeah. after they were, I was going to say there. Burning Man. That's what <laughs> that's I was going to say. A little elaborate for Burning Man. A little maybe a little static, but mm -hmm. that's what it made me yeah. think of. Totally, just a bunch of like goofy the Children of Doom and whatnot. Uh, but there were like 500 extras walking on there. That was just like staggering the size of. They this. had a lot. Of, the The production really kind of shows at this point. They really did. They had some money. They had some ideas. It wasn't a It wasn't a fly by night operation. It wasn't like it wasn't a crawl where they had like seven the same seven dudes on a sound stage and they were just gonna like <laughs> a bunch well. of styrofoam. Yeah, a bunch of styrofoam pellets. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the first time we hear Thulsa Doom speak. I see you. And so, first of all, like, he's always got snakes on him or snakes around him. Yeah, and same. I was shocked to learn that James Earl Jones was an army ranger. And yeah. part of his training, they had to take a snake and live with it for a week. And then at the end of that week, kill and eat that snake. <laughs> no problem. So he's like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm, I'm good with that. Um but he is so great. He is talking about the riddle of steel, um, you know, when Conan has been captured um, and is kind of calling him out for killing his family. Um, and he says that, you know, flesh is stronger. Uh, he says, that is strength, boy, that is power. The strength and power of flesh. Look at the strength in your heart. I give it to you. 
Contemplate this on the tree of woe. The tree of Crucify woe. him. Crucify him. Yeah. James James Earl Jones on a tear, like king of the world at this point. Yeah, he, he, he looks great. And it's a great crucifixion, too. I like that they dissolved with the crucifixion and Conan's like crucified. But like his vibe is just kind of like, how did this shit happen to me? <laughs> like, it's just like he doesn't seem like too He's pissed at this point. He's just like. God damn, I'm on this tree. I, I think you're reading that because in reality, he's like sitting on a stool right. and doing this. <laughs> yeah, it's just like yeah, I don't tiring. think it, uh, yeah, I don't think he went full method on the crucifixion. No, it wasn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't a you know, Gibson situation. Yeah, well, it's, it's great. I like that. I like this. It's a good looking tree too. Well, they had, it was a great looking tree. They had a, uh, you know, like a puppet vulture. Um, but when it was time for him to bite the vulture, they had a real dead vulture that, oh quote, had just died. Oh, my God. And then after every take, he had to gargle something. Like the med techs would come up and give him something to what? gargle and spit out so that he wouldn't die. From, like, botulism <laughs> or whatever? Yes. Yes. Where did they get the freshly dead vulture? I don't know, but they got it and quickly Was the llama it. fucker involved? I bet the llama <laughs> fucker was involved in procuring He's a vultures. vulture wrangler. Yeah. <laughs> Llama fucker slash vulture wrangler. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. He was dual hatted on this production. Um, he does get uh, rescued by Subatai and by Valeria. And they go to the wizard who can save him, but it comes with a heavy toll. And so we have Valeria. Again, a really central figure in this story. There's a lot of uh, women empowerment in this film. She's willing to, to pay. Um yeah. And I just love all of that. The fight with the demons painted on and then him healed and doing his sword moves just looks fantastic. There's not quite as much female empowerment as you might think. It doesn't pass the Bechdel test. No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. She's central to to him surviving twice. Uh, but I agree that we could use more female characters. There are just not many characters in this film at all, right? Yeah. No, there's there's not. But I mean, like, she, you know, she did Again. make a decision not to go with him. So there's that. Yeah, we can fix. By the way, we'll fix it in the final in the final segment. <laughs> so now we have the break in of Mount of the Mountain of Doom. This music, the makeup, the kitchen, the orgy, the like, orgy. Yeah. This music goes for four solid moments of the kitchen and then into the orgy. And I'm here for it all the way. Yeah. He, he, it doesn't seem like the defenses are very good at the at this place. It seems like they kind of just run right up on him. Yeah, and they're all failing their spot check. They're you know very very yeah. low DC spot checks. There's just yeah. uh, they're very focused on each other. And, they're uh, wasted, right? Like and and like getting yeah. it on. I mean, someone should be someone should be sober. But there's like two guards up at the top too, right? And they right. also missed it all. Did you the camo? They had like. According to Jerry Lopez, he and Milius used to make model airplanes and they painted them camo style and that was the inspiration. They were like, this looks cool. Let's do it on their faces and bodies. Yeah, it looked, it, it did look cool. The camo paint looked really cool. Mm. I don't know what they were camouflaged against. Like, you know, like they're, like they're camouflaged against like shadows, you know, F-18s. Yeah, some avant-garde fashion line. You wouldn't be able to pick fighters. them out on the runway. They blend right Derelict. Yeah. What about him transforming into a snake while a cheetah watches? 
That was wild. Uh, <laughs> you didn't see that coming. Phoebe was very concerned at this point. Like, Phoebe in general sort of doesn't like it. Phoebe the Schnauzer doesn't really like it when there's dogs or horses. But uh, when there was a cheetah and James Earl Jones's face starts, like, extruding into a snake, she was out. She was pissed <laughs> as hell. <laughs> Amazing. Well, so they have the great fight scene uh, with Thorgrim and, and Rexor um, and the battle. They end up get the princess uh, who they're there to rescue and they escape. Thulsa sends his snake arrow. Seek. Seek. Sa- the snake arrow is dope. That's a great concept. Very cool, but it also leads to the longest death scene in history. Yeah. Hold me. Kiss me. Kiss me. <laughs> Isn't that a cure song? Friday, I'm in love. I'm so cold. So cold. Let me breathe. Let's Keep me warm. Uh, Keep. I'm yeah. So it's brutal. Keep going, Just, Matt. Nah, that's heaven. <laughs> um. So, funeral, again, the music is amazing, and now we get to the last stand, and we have the A-team battle prep music, which is incredible, and then we have the prayer to Krom. Prayer to Krom. Krom also, I think, could have used some work, just as a name, uh, because every time Arnold says it, it sounds a little bit like Krom or something. Like, it just doesn't sound like you're invoking the, like a good god or a god at all. Like, I must pray to Krom. Crumb must come. Hail Crumb. I've never prayed to you before. I have no tongue for it. No one, not even you, will remember if we were good men or bad. Why we fought or why we died. No. All that matters is that two stood against many. That's what's important. Balor pleases you, Crumb. So grant me one request. Grant me revenge. And if you do not listen, then the hell with you. That shit's amazing. Yeah, uh, I guess. Yeah, we all You're love not, our crumb. Uh, we right, all love right, our right. crumb. Okay. It's uh, le- uh, fun fact. Um, uh, I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna get this wrong, but. Um, this Krom is based on like a Celtic god named Krom Dub or something like that. So Krom Dub. This is one of. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, I think uh, I think this is um, Howard. Like um, one of the hundred times where he he yoinked something from uh, real world mythology and like twisted the name and stuck it into Conan. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I like the idea is like it's a primordial myth, right? And this idea of this is not the Middle Ages. This is some pre-age that happened before the Middle Ages that's been lost in the annals of time and then been (laughs) reinforced and reinvigorated um, later. Yeah. And eventually becomes, uh, as Kev points out in Discord, this this god that Arnold prays to eventually becomes a Harry Potter character. Uh, they have the final showdown in the end. Uh, he takes out Thorgrim. Uh, he takes Thorgrim. out. He, That's he a good is name. saved. Rexor is about to kill him, and Valeria shows up and saves the day. Um, do you want to live forever? Do you want to live forever? Do you really want to live forever? And then he goes head to head with Rexor and takes him out, um, shattering his own father's sword with his new Vorpal blade. Um, and uh, at, at you know, this was the movie where I, uh, when I watched this movie again, I was like, 
um, this was this movie came out after um, AD&D, the AD&D rules, and yet somehow, uh, or uh, and that's why the Warhammer was only one d six damage in right. AD&D. Mm, but right. when you look at it, when you look at a dude swinging a Warhammer around in this movie, it's clearly way more badass than that. Yeah, D twelve, right? At least D twelve, definitely. Minimum. Minimum. Yeah, yeah, I mean this this one in particular looks a little bit a little less like a Warhammer and more like sort of a post mallet or something like he's going to like, you know, he's going to put a, mo- a mailbox in. Um, <laughs> but it definitely, I wouldn't want to be hit by it. I mean, this is part of why I always preferred to use a, you know, a great sword, which was 2d6, um, you know, just get a lot of, a lot of good damage there. Um, so, so he goes on uh, for Thulsa, Thulsa tries to do his Jedi mind trick on him, um, you know, and calls him my son. You have come to me, my son. For who now is your father if it is not me? Who gave you the will to live? I am the wellspring from which you flow. When I am gone, you will have never been. What will your world be without me? And this is a little wild to have James Earl Jones doing a you're actually my son line. Yeah. Uh, in the early 80s. It's like, come on. You get, <laughs> you get you, you're already on record kind of typecast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But once he Conan makes his will save, uh, because he's a barbarian, barbarians have high will. Disbelief. Uh, and so he does, and he chops his head off uh, and tosses it down. And this is the the finale of the movie. This last three or four minutes, where the children of doom are leaving, they're tossing their their candles. They uh, give up right away. They're well, just like, oh, all right, I guess this religion was shit. When your god gets murdered in front of you, you kind of gotta. And- I mean, some gods got murdered in front of the people, and they came back three <laughs> days later. I don't know if it's I really blame that HR. Story. They didn't run a succession planning exercise. Right, right. Well, no, he also took out Thorgrim and Rexor, so. Yeah. Conan had a better succession prevention plan, so. <laughs> it was a hostile takeover from within. Yeah. It was pretty good. It was a board but, too. So him picking up the the torch uh, in the, what do you call that thing? He's spinning around that metal encanter that has the, yeah. uh, the flame in it. It looks like it. Sensor. It looks like it looks like nothing catches fire when he throws that. It's just like dink. It's like that does. It, it catches fire. It takes it takes a minute, Jason. Come on, believe. Right. <laughs> I mean, I the, saw the fire later, so it must have worked. The music is incredible. The music here, it's just like swelling, and it's yeah. absolutely it's absolutely fantastic. Um, and so then we cut from there to Conan sitting on the throne, um, looking good. That's a great shot. Yeah. It is a great shot, and it sets up the fact that uh, you There's know he's going to gonna go. be there, uh, you know, as as the king, and we'll get to that story another day. There are eleven more scripts coming, and credits. This is really your wheelhouse. Like, is high fantasy with like a classical, of like a classical, very big score, mm. um. And like some weird sex stuff in it. That's like really the H wheelhouse. When you when you boil it down for me, this is the acting, the production uh-huh. design, and the score. Those are the, those are the three things. Like right. it looks so good. Ron Cobb did such an incredible job. Like I look at the even the um, 
the 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 standing stones where they do the final showdown or the steps i'm like that's all real like that's just that that's just there yeah it does look um, good so like that totally pulls me in and then just the idea of taking the time and really luxuriating in it i just i love it the music is phenomenal and the running scenes i love the running scenes um because they actually delineate different parts of the movie. It's kind of dumb to think about it that way, but like the running is like, here we go, transitioning into a different part, a different thing now, like get ready mm -hmm. for something else. I don't know, for some reason those stick in my mind. Um, and I think it's also because of, of the music. Mm. Yeah. M Milius also wanted a trilogy. He said it was about something. The first one was gonna be about strength. The second would be about responsibility. And the third would be about tradition and loyalty. It's like uh, and literally so like a right a right wing creed, <laughs> like straight, straight tradition. The Boy Scout motto: <laughs> ethno states. <laughs> I, it had, I, I'm not engaging with that. Okay, so he had budget of twenty million dollars. I mean, it's her. It, like he and Herbert would have been best friends, probably. I guess he should. Herbert have was it. Herbert was like self aware. Herbert knew what he was doing. Okay. Like he was like it's like he he was he was he wasn't he didn't believe the ethos of the thing that he was writing. Okay, all right, fair enough. <laughs> uh, budget of $20 million. The movie made $79 million. Crushed Unfor it. Unfortunately, no sequels or any related films were ever made by anyone. Uh, and who this was any the good? end. This was the end of it for all time. <laughs> so who made Is who Destroyer, made Destroyer really that bad? Is it really that bad? It's unwatchable. Hmm. It does Will have Olivia Diabo, but uh, that's it. That's all Scott. All right. I don't. I, I think it, that, that's the one we talked about this last week. Is that the one with the mom? Uh, mom? Will Chamberlain and Grace Will Chamberlain, Jones. Grace Jones, Grace yeah. Jones, Will Chamberlain with like really big hairy boots, as I recall. From the one time I watched it, I don't remember. I remember, maybe I didn't see. Well, it. okay, so but there was also a remake in what 2011 with Jason Momoa. Did seems like it should have been perfect, but I think it didn't work. Right? I haven't watched it. I discovered it reading the Wikipedia page a few days ago. I'm Jason Momoa it. seems like the perfect Conan. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Apparently it wasn't very good, but but I definitely want to watch it. I meant to watch it, but but I had to watch it. I can't believe three. you haven't watched C given uh given all this all these other things you like. I'm three episodes in uh, on your Whoa. recommendation, actually. Oh Sea Hive? Have you joined the Sea Hive with just me, Kevin, Tim Cook? I don't know if I've gone. I mean, well, I guess, I guess by default, because since I've watched it, but I haven't, I haven't chatted about it. Did you like it? Yes, I'm, I'm definitely digging it. See, hives. Where There's the four fiance of us. is uninterested, so like I have to hide in the other room, like <laughs> catch moments. <laughs> That's great. Oh, and hacks. There's five of us. I'll watch the pilot of C <laughs> before next Dune Pod. How about that? Oh, that'd be great. There nice. might be six. All right, I'll report back. Now you're not going to like it, though, because I've like sort of made fun of Conan. You'll like be stubborn about it. No, it's fine. It's fine. I can get it. There's, there's weird sex stuff in C as well. If that, <laughs> there if sure that's is. what you need. Good score? Yeah, it's a pretty good score. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it's not as like present. It's not as like dominant as in Excalibur or, or, or Conan. God, the score to Excalibur. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go to the hall to see the C, C, the C score, but I would definitely go to the, to the concert hall to see uh, Conan. But the production values in C will woo you, I believe. But you're you're right, Jason. Like the the score in Excalibur, same same deal. That's Carmen yeah, Burana. That's what that's what you mm -hmm. need. Definitely, definitely related. Brian, who would Tilda Swinton play? I mean, I think it's the wizard. 
Like it, oh. I could I could see Thulsa Doom as well, but yeah. and maybe I took your I stole your thunder. Whoa. But I think it's the wizard. The wizard's wow. a good choice. Mm. I was gonna go Thulsa just because I I love like basically do everything the same, same hair, um, same eyes. Uh, Four minutes of staring, staring. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean that how uh, like look if you're gonna put <laughs> Tilda Swinton in a movie and she just stares into my soul before chopping my head off, that's perfect. That's the best movie ever made. Perfect. Uh, I want to see her as Thorgrim. Let's get her with a giant hammer. Thorgrim. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we did it. We, we did, did it. it. You guys, you guys want to? Uh, you want to hear some letters? Let's do some letters. All right. So first of all, um, I, so most people have been under the impression that only Kev and Corey are allowed to send letters, but I want to invite anyone to send us letters at dunepod.com or you can reach us with our voicemail at 415-534-5211 and send us a message at any time yeah um, and we will play that shit and you will enjoy it so first up we have hey dune pod it's kev here missed me huh yeah. This week we are finally talking. This is this is H's Southland Tales moment. We're talking the legendary Conan the Barbarian. Not usually my thing, for sure. But I had faith in Dune Pod and Dune Pod rewarded. This is a really well-made, well-detailed movie, uh, produced by Dino De Laurentiis. So obviously audacious and giant in scale. And Kev's question, of course, centers around the nucleus, the sun of this galaxy, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, obviously, you'll talk about him. There's plenty of opportunities. He's going to become a main character on this show in due time. A lot of people say that there are no movie stars anymore. I was skeptical of this, but the more I see these classic movies, the more I realize that those people are actually totally right. <laughs> so my question to you guys is, why do you think that is? And is it possible to have a movie star with any kind of mystique in a world where we can access everybody with uh, two thumb presses on Twitter or Instagram mm. or something. Um, and is that a good thing or a bad thing? J just wondering, I know this is kind of a more of a general Kev's question, but uh, I wanted to open up the discussion because we'll probably be talking about it every time Arnold comes up. All right, uh, thank you very much, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Once again, it's Kev's questions. That's a good question. Well, first of all, we're glad that Kev is on the mend from the novel coronavirus. Thank God. Uh, we're glad he's still with us. Um, we've talked about this a little bit in other contexts before and sort of like who's like like Leo, maybe, you know, Leo and Brad Pitt are maybe the last ones. And Clooney. Um, and Clooney is a little bit older. Um, and but, you know. Is that some is some of that just anti is that, you know, whatever legacy bias, the the opposite of recency bias, because like you could see you could see like Adam Driver uh, in the fullness of time, depending on how his career goes mm -hmm. um, as as being one of those guys, even though he, you know, he does exist in this memeable environment in which like he's, you know, a meme and like a TikTok sample and like all these other things. Um he, I think, does have that kind of magnetic pull on screen. Um, it's just like he doesn't have the same, he doesn't have the same body of work yet because he's relatively younger. 
Um, mm. But I, I, I think you could see, I think you could see that happening for him, or you know, frankly, like for like for Timothy, um, depending on you know, again, like sort of how they're how they're what their choices are and how it goes. I think both of them could be could be in that model. And Zendaya. Zendaya is a great example um, because like she's like, uh, you know, a very much an online memeable person, but like, yeah, just completely overpowers the screen. I mean, so much so that they like used her to build to build Dune, even though she's in it for like three seconds. Um, so, yeah, I think I, but it's like we would need to see we need to see another 10 years of Zendaya to kind of understand uh, to kind of understand that. Totally. Brian, what do you think? Anybody pop off on your head? No, I have nothing to add. I think that like uh, <laughs> the, the fragmentation um, of, uh, of media into all these tiny little niches has just um, like destroyed, like when, when Clooney and Pitt and Leo age out and die, there won't be anybody to replace them. Mm. Everybody's, everybody's, you know, got their minute where they're, or, or maybe their minute every few years where mm-hmm. they're, um, the feed, the, the algorithm is putting them into the feed for you. But, um, I don't know the way, the way things stand right now, everything's disposable. Everything is transient. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, um, I'm not drawn to anybody in, in a, in a term way like that right now. So nothing comes to mind and I'm just standing back with my arms folded, waiting for like the paradigm to shift again, see what's next. Mm. I think actually the other, the other actor that I would put out who's even bigger than Clooney and Pratt uh, and whatnot is actually Tom Cruise. Yeah. Yeah. For like, sure, of course. He to me is like <laughs> currently the biggest star in the world like literally maverick blew everything up and mission impossible seven and eight are gonna blow everything up and actually he's doing some really incredible work i'd like to see him do some more serious dramatic acting as opposed to just all of these giant blockbusters Um, and that's the thing like he doesn't he doesn't he's he doesn't feel like he's got it in him anymore like he's he feels like his career is hanging onto a ledge by its fingernails just because this is all he's got left in him and at some point his body is going to age out of it and then maybe he'll turn um you know turn a page into his third act or whatever and he'll start doing um you know jack nicholson at 70 or whatever but totally uh, but right now i don't know like whatever it's fun to watch planes fly around but is it much more than that? Not really. Wow. Tough pod for Slim. Tough pod for Slim this, this week. <laughs> All right. Well, let's relieve Slim uh, briefly with this, uh, this incoming message. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Pod. Hey, it is Corey from Austin, Texas, calling in about Conan, the motherfucking barbarian, who was my guy back when I was, what, nine or ten when this came out and I got to see it in the theater? Oh, this was about as cool as seeing Road Warrior in the theater. Like, this was the shit. I had never seen a cooler movie than Conan. Uh, I'm sure you guys will be gushing all about it. Uh, I know H will because, you know, peace, pod, uh, that whole thing. Pot, kettle, we're black. You know, whole thing. Anyway. Uh, great film. Uh, I wish 
Oliver Stone's version would have gotten made. I don't know if you heard about the script for his was like pages and pages of mutant armies fighting and all sorts of crazy beasts and shit. That would have been rad. But I'm really pleased with what came out. Melius is uh, a true visionary, that John Melius, uh, with all his guns and machismo and all that kind of crazy-ass stuff that he comes up with. But he makes a damn fine film. So, uh, I love Conan. Uh, Arnold is probably, this may be, maybe his best role. Terminator, I guess, is the first Terminator, arguable. Mm. Anyway, I'm sure you guys will debate all of this uh, on the episode. Sadly, there were no deaths. I guess, for Jason to get excited about. But I hear you guys are watching Superman 3 pretty soon, mm. and I know there is some major deaths in that movie, at least one in Robert yeah. Bond's office. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Oh, I about God. that. That's for another voicemail. Oh, Who man. would Tilda Swinton play in Conan? Valeria? Mm. I mean, that would be hot, right? Mm. Seeing her in that cool makeup, the little outfit, the sword, and all that. That's what I'm going for. That's what I'm thinking. All right. Or how about that witch who turns into a wolf? Mm. Oh, <laughs> shit. I mean, not, to, you know, not just because it's hot, but because it's a good role, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, enough about that. You guys have a great one. Thanks so much. Bye. Corey. Man, that's a great one. That's a great one. I'm I'm so glad Corey talked about deaths just to bring me back to life. Uh <laughs> Because I, I did watch Superman three today, and the de- the office situation in that is absolutely incredible. That's what Conan needed. If King Osric, if Max Vancito, had yeah, had that's nice, what I was thinking. He needed a desk made out of like uh, dinosaur bone or something like that, with a map he, and with some skulls. Yeah, mm. you know, I gotta I gotta go on record saying I I also would like to have seen the Oliver Stone script get made because to me, in my mind, it's heavy metal. Plus Conan, mm-hmm. like you got your chocolate mm-hmm. and my peanut butter. It's like mm-hmm. death, death to all who oppose us. Like imagine if that was Arnold instead mm-hmm. of, you know, yeah. whoever, whatever voice actor that was. I don't know. I think that, um, I think those two, two great tastes would have tasted great together. Yeah. Okay. Uh, incredible. God, we should do heavy metal, huh? Mm. Uh, here is our late breaking voicemail that just came in. You know what people ask me, H and Jason, it's what is best in life? And I always reply, to crush my enemies, to see them driven before me, to hear the lamentations of their women. And don't touch that dial. That actually was not Arnold Schwarzenegger jumping on the line. That was your uh, (laughs) semi-permanent third host of DoomPod, JLB. And I want to thank management uh, my A-class voting share management for giving me this week off so I can complete my move. Uh, you know, DoomPod Meetup 2023 Warminster PA. Start putting the feelers out now. Uh, just want to call in and say this is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, sword and sorcery film right that was like R-rated. Like that made me realize I was too young to watch what I was watching. And uh, I do have something to say about the remake starring uh, our beloved uh, Duncan Idaho, uh, Jason Mamoa. Uh, the only reason that film did not succeed is because Arnold's existed. If that, if that never happened, I'm telling you right now, Jason's Conan would have been a huge hit. Uh, Conan, Conan, who cares how you say it? It's like a Bowie news. Bowie, Bowie, who cares? I do. It's Conan. Uh, I love you all. Uh, and uh, I'll be around soon if you catch my drift. 
uh, have fun. Uh, all hail the Quiza Tatarak. Uh, all hail Duke uh, Lido Two. Uh, I'm reading Children of Doom, much to my lament, and uh, my review coming soon. Love you, bye. <laughs> uh, yes, Jonesy, <laughs> what a treat! That was great. Uh, yes, love hearing from Jonesy. Uh, the accent was amazing. It's been fun as Jonesy's been making his way through the sequels to Dune, uh, and he gets to like you know the key moments like beef swelling. Mm. Uh, it's Welcome. Always, it's uh, when when a man encounters beef swelling for the first time. <laughs> it's really magical. It's just great. Moment. That was a great voicemail. Jonesy, I'm glad you really enjoyed that. Uh, I, w- I will say for folks, please get your voicemails in by, by 6 p.m. On, oh, don't, uh, don't, re- sh- you don't have to shame them on the pod. <laughs> Jonesy can do it. Jonesy can send it anytime. Like, yeah. I will, I will always take that uh, at any time. And Jonesy, we'll see you at your house 23. Oh it's happening. All right. Uh, Brian, what do you have to plug, my friend? Other than, other than Warhorn going open source? Yeah, I did my plug up front, so I'm good. Okay, very good. Jason, <laughs> what do you have to plug? There's this kid's show, uh, Pete the Cat, which I think yes. is a little under underrepped compared to your, you know, your blueies and your other other more well loved kids shows. But the soundtrack It's a book series originally. It's a book series originally, mm-hmm. yeah. But then they made it into show and Elvis Costello actually um was like one of the producers on it and he does the theme song for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like the music is all, yeah, Elvis Costello does a theme song to Pete the cat. It's wild. Um, and, uh, and like, there's a bunch of other, there's like a bunch of other, um, like, you know, musical kind of homages in it that are, and the songs are like fun and, and funny. Um, and there's this one song, uh, you just gotta be you, um, which is now my favorite Bob Dylan song because it's like done in this like Bob Dylan style who's not my favorite artist but the Pete the Cat version of Bob Dylan is amazing because like the bridge of the song is like just like a reflection in the river just like a reflection in the river I see myself in the mirror and I It's really me. I'm proud to be a portrait of myself. It's just great. Best song. I, I hope we'll include some samples from it in this. Obviously. Episode. Yeah. Is it actually a Dylan song? No. Sorry, I missed that part. No. Okay. But it is the character. It's sung by Pete's brother, whose name is Bob. Yeah. It's like a karaoke in the style of Bob Dylan. It's clearly meant to be. It's clearly one of the other songs. It, the one of the other people who does songs is Katie Turnstall, I think is yeah. the woman's name. Yep. Who does that, like, you know, uh, that song about the horse and the cherry tree or whatever. Sure. So she's she sings a she sings a song on it. She sings a song on the on the album as well. So it's there's a there's some good stuff. You can watch it, I believe, on Amazon Prime Video. Definitely. Uh, and the soundtrack is on Spotify. I mean, we did play Forever Young at my dad's funeral, so Okay. Is that a okay. Katie's Turn Soul song? Or is that I just say I just sang that earlier? Cool story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for I'm waiting for the children's show that's uh where the theme song is sung by Rollins. And it's just yeah. like yes. rawr, 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 rawr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we did it, guys. Yeah. Thank you for taking this journey with me. Done. Thank you. Thank you for indulging me. This was a real highlight. It was great. I was glad to I was glad to revisit it. I, I really barely remembered any of it. So I was glad to see it with fresh eyes. It was it was a pleasure to uh to pull it up and, and watch again. It was it was actually really nice to watch it in the Chuckle Hut. Um and to just like everybody's like blurting out random comments. No one's actually talking to each other. Everybody's just like one way kind of stating things <laughs> uh, that they're feeling at the moment. It was su- super nice. So thank you for the opportunity. Amazing. Amazing. And silly Oswald, let me just call out. Can we schedule a Chuckle Hut screening uh, of the 28 minute Gendy Tarkovsky um Korgoth the Barbarian, uh, which is a great <laughs> tribute to Conan. Like Nobody Ryan- said there'd be this much talking. <laughs> Brian will definitely show up for that. I'll be there. All right. I love you guys. See you later. All right. Peace. 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 Jason. Yo. <laughs> you, you reprimanded me for giving shit to Jonesy for sending us a voicemail while we were recording. Right. Well, sometimes a voicemail comes across the line even after we're recording. The that show's fine. Which is show's fine. almost locked, and it is so good. We got to get back on the air, and we got to fire this baby up. Yeah, it's totally fine. We are always ready to receive voicemails. We'll go back and edit voicemails into like episode five. <laughs> if people want to go and listen to like, you know, some of our episodes with Proto talking about the books, we'll go put special edition. In. It's fine. <laughs> Anytime. Well, I could not be more thrilled. I reached out uh, to get this voicemail because I knew that this person had a particular affinity for Conan the Barbarian, and he's a little busy right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it uh, is amazing that he would make the time to get back to us. So let me just play this for you. Check this shit out. Hey, Matt, Jason. Uh, this is Ryan Condal calling in uh, to discuss my love for Conan, something I'm always happy to do. Uh, I think I saw the movie for the first time when I was I was 12 years old, and uh, it definitely broke my brain uh, in the best of ways. Uh, after that, I, I really um, dug into fantasy in a big way. You know, Tolkien, uh, I'd read The Hobbit, uh, got into all that stuff. <clears throat> the Robert E. Howard stories, the original Conan stories, the Marvel comics, uh, all the Frazetta paintings and artwork, and mm-hmm. I just became obsessed. And then later in life, um, as all healthy adults do, I became a uh, collector of uh, rare antiquities. And uh, as you know, from previous episodes of the podcast, I collect things that were used in movies. And um, I have I have quite a uh, Conan the Barbarian uh, collection, and specifically Conan the Barbarian, because Destroyer is a non-milius tragedy. Uh, and I have, uh, the first thing that I found was the, uh, the hero Atlantean sword, which I, uh, acquired, uh, from, uh, a son of a crew member that worked on the show and had passed it down to him. And I, uh, much like Conan finding it in the tomb, uh, (laughs) with the, uh, the Atlantean King, I, uh, I found it in a, uh, uh, Starbucks parking lot, uh, somewhere (laughs) on the 101 freeway, uh, in this man's trunk and uh he opened it and it was inside and it was steel and nine pounds and glorious oh and gorgeous and i had to have it Holy and shit. uh now i do and it's awesome and i have many other things uh but those are tales for another time amazing <laughs> i love that man what a, you know this is the thing about ryan condal that is amazing 
is that he is if you listen to like his interview with Jason Concepcion on the official um, House of the Dragon podcast, mm-hmm. it's clear that he is just like a real fantasy science fiction fan, like just oh, yeah. a super fan and has dedicated his life to it in an unreal way. And yet he's also this like hyper-functional adult somehow who has this like really <laughs> successful, really yeah. successful job. It's amazing. I didn't know you could do it both. Yeah. Um, just great. Wow. That's amazing. I can't and- believe that he descended into the keep at the Starbucks mm. parking lot and fought the, the Draugr <laughs> King. With the dogs the barking. Sword. The dogs oh my barking. God. Yeah, he oh. left that Starbucks wearing the pelts of like a mente <laughs> latte. That's incredible. And Brian, like just especially, you know, show running, the aspect of running Game of Thrones, like yeah. the creative aspect and the technical aspect, the people management, all that shit. It's just wild. It's a lot. I feel privileged to just even know him like that. He would even <laughs> leave a podcast voicemail for us. Seems uh, a big get. So that's that's great. Well, I knew that he had the original artwork for the poster that he gotten from the Italian uh, painter, but I did not imagine that he would have had Conan's actual sword. That is unreal. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. Ryan, thank you. And Jason, now our journey with Conan is complete. Until we get another voicemail. Maybe Arnold will call in. It's fine. <laughs> explain that Arnold. yeah did you see that it was so funny yeah and that's it for this episode i want to thank jason and brian for an amazing conversation next week Film hag and DunePod transcript artist Sophie Shin rejoins us as we cover the drug and dancing fueled wild ride climax. If you're enjoying the show, we need your help. Take a minute and leave us a five star rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, or just tell your friends about us because it really does help new listeners find the show. We also have a Discord server where you can hang out with us whenever you want. A link is in the show notes. DunePod is a Tape Deck Podcast John, a production of H Industries. Our artwork is by Catcher, and our theme music was composed by Toby Forsman of Whipsong Music. Transcripts provided by Sophie Shin. The episode was edited by Megan Hayward of Edit Audio and produced by me, H. Thanks for listening. We'll see everybody next week.